We are in Galatians and we're in chapter two. And we've come to verse 11 in chapter two. Here is the driving theme of Galatians. And remember, it was Martin Luther's study of Galatians that convicted him to write those theses that he nailed up on the door and which led to the Reformation. Namely, we are, we are justified by grace through faith in Christ plus nothing. It becomes no clearer than in this passage that we're going to look at uh, today, beginning in verse 11. Paul continues his defense of his apostleship because it's the foundation of the great message of grace that he has been traveling the known world in his day preaching and the foundation which was used to, to plant churches across uh, the Roman Empire in his missionary journeys. So he continues, and this is just an extremely interesting passage of scripture. But when Kephas came to Antioch, now it's Peter, there was a great church at Antioch. Barnabas and Paul were the pastors. They were the teachers. And so Antioch was a great mission-minded evangelistic church. Within that congregation, there were both Jews and Gentiles. So Peter comes to Antioch to visit this church. Peter has a reputation. Everybody knows that uh, Peter was generally regarded as the chairman of the, of the board of the apostles. Uh, he was a very strong personality. Uh, he also was, uh, he also had his faults. We all have our flaws. Peter, as we have learned in studying Galatians, was considered to be the apostle to those of the circumcision. Paul, the apostle to those of the uncircumcision. Peter has been headquartered in Jerusalem, makes this trip to Antioch. Now, Paul continues, but when Kephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Because he stood condemned. Now that word condemned means that he was to be faulted. Somebody had to bring a fault, his fault to his face. For before certain ones came from James. Now James is the brother of our Lord. He was known as a very, very pious man uh, and he, like the apostles, like the, the, like the Jewish apostles, had grown up in that culture. And if you lived in or around Jerusalem, it was, it was part of daily life. It was just something that happened all the time, namely to have a relationship to the law and to the traditions uh, of the Jewish rabbis and elders of years gone by. And it was that last part that Christ really came to correct. Uh, 
because those traditions had caused the Jews to think that obedience to the law is what saved you. Well, it's just the opposite. It's, if you try to follow the law, that's what condemns you. That doesn't save you. So, Kephas comes to Antioch, and these men who were following Paul around, the Judaizers, would come in behind the Apostle Paul and tell Gentiles that they first had to become Jews before they could ever be considered Christians. So they had to go through this process of, of ritual and ceremony, and in the case of the males, namely circumcision, before they were qualified to be Christians. You, you had to go through a qualification process before you, <laughs> before you could be saved. And may I say, that's not really that funny these days because there are still groups within the church who add works to grace. Well, that's not, that's not the true gospel. That's what Paul is arguing here in Galatians. Not the true gospel. You can't add anything to justification by grace through faith in Christ alone. Now, Peter was having a big time. And he goes on, he says... Before those guys came from James, now it is not that James sent them out. It is though, however, that James was generally considered to be the pastor of the church in Jerusalem and they came forth from that church. So to say that they came from James is to understand that they were, that they were heavily involved in the church uh, in Jerusalem. So these Judaizers came before they came, Peter was eating with the Gentiles. All right, go back to Acts chapter 10. Uh, the situation where Peter, Cornelius and Peter, you know, had their, had their visions and, and their callings and so forth. Cornelius was a Gentile. And Peter is led by the Spirit to go to Cornelius and witnesses himself that Cornelius, being a Gentile, never having been any part of the Jewish religion, receives the Holy Spirit and is saved in the same way that they were saved in Jerusalem. Now, Peter has a vision. Three times this sheet was lowered down with all kinds of critters in it. And those critters generally were unclean in the Mosaic law. So they weren't kosher and Jews were never supposed to eat that stuff. And it had come by the, time, by the time the church was born, it had gotten to where the Jews wouldn't even eat at the same table with Gentiles, in the same room with Gentiles, and certainly wouldn't share a meal with Gentiles and wouldn't share the same vessels to eat off of with Gentiles. Peter had been delivered from that. Acts chapter 10, the Lord said, take and eat this. And they had all kind of unclean that according to Mosaic law, these were unclean animals. He said, oh Lord, I can't, I've never eaten anything unclean. And, and in the vision, the Lord says, you don't call unclean what I have declared as clean. So this opened up a whole new dining experience for, for Peter. He probably never knew that a ham sandwich could taste so good. Uh, or 
uh, smoked pork loin or whatever, shrimp. He never knew shrimp could taste so good or lobster or anything else that was condemned a catfish or something. He, he never knew something could taste so good. So he was enjoying, according to what Paul says, he was enjoying eating with the Gentiles. Hey, pass me some of that. I kind of like that stuff and I want some of that again. That, I've never had that before. What is that? And they would tell him what it is. And he said, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to eat it anyway. Lord said I could. Now, that's the gospel according to Charles. You can take that or leave it, but that's how I see it. He was enjoying a whole new genre of food until these Judaizers came. Now, he knew them because he was a member of the church at Jerusalem. James, they were all very strict Jews before they became Christians. And for the most part, most of them still followed their Jewish rituals and ceremonies. Thus, the letter to the Hebrews that's written in the New Testament. These Judaizers came into town, into Antioch, and Peter stopped eating with the Gentiles. He stopped fellowshipping with them. He withdrew from them. So Paul continues. But when they came, he was withdrawing and separating himself, being afraid of those of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews who were in the church at Antioch acted in the same way, hypocritically with him. It was so bad that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. I mean, this was really a problem. Without saying a word, Peter seemed to be giving approval to what the Judaizers had come to do. Not by his word, but by his behavior. He was essentially joining himself to the Judaizers and obviously not objecting to what they had come to say. And that's amazing. Peter of the apostles. And Paul says, I'll tell you what, I got in his face. What kind of hypocrite are you? You're enjoying all this Gentile food and you're enjoying fellowship with Gentiles and you loosened up a little bit and enjoyed life like you've never enjoyed it before and all of a sudden these Judaizers come in and you become this stoic creature again and you join yourself to them and because you are so influential, because you're Peter, the rest of the Jews in Antioch did the same thing. Even Barnabas did it. Now, Barnabas was on that first missionary journey with, uh, with uh, the Apostle Paul. And for the most part, they preached the gospel of grace to the Gentiles. Gentiles were saved. Churches were planted. Barnabas was there. But even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Now, this was a grave danger. This was an assault on the pure gospel, the only gospel of Jesus Christ. But when I saw that they are not walking uprightly, they're not uh, straight-footed, orthopodusin, ortho, 
Pudusen, ortho straight, Pudusen is feet or foot, straight footed. We get orthopedics and podiatry from all those two words. They're not walking straight. They're not straight walking according to the truth of the gospel. I said to Kephas, and I said it to him in front of everybody. I said to Kephas before all, if you, being a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, why do you compel the Gentiles to Judaize? Remember now, Peter hadn't said a word, but by his behavior, he seemed to be siding with the Judaizers. Now, this was a big problem. So Paul gets right in his face. You've been living like the Gentiles. You've been eating what the Gentiles eat. You're the one who had the vision of these critters <coughs> wrapped up in the bed sheet. You saw it three times. And now why, with, with all of your experience, with who you are, with all that you've done and seen and even to what you testified to at the council in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 15. Yes, you're a Jew, but you've been fellowshipping with the Gentiles and now by your behavior, why do you compel Gentiles to Judaize? Paul continues his argument. We are by birth Jews and not sinners of the Gentiles. Let me explain that. Coming up in the strict culture of Judaism, they understood the true monotheistic religion. There's one God. The true and living God called Israel to himself. They were his peculiar people. He gave his word through them. He sent through them the prophets and he gave to them his law. So they grew up in a culture where according to that culture, their relationship with God was more behavioral than it was personal. So we grew up, we weren't sinners. The sinners, we only had one God, the true and living God. We understand that in our culture. And we don't sin like, the, we haven't been sinners like the Gentiles who worshiped a plethora of gods and goddesses. And they had this awful immoral system of, of religious practice that included prostitution and all kinds of other things in their temple worship. We didn't grow up like that as sinners like Gentiles have. We grew up with the law, trying to establish a relationship with God through our behavior, no, believing or thinking that we could compel ourselves to obey the law. And here's what happened to us. Even though we grew up as Jews, we failed in that system. That system is only bringing condemnation. So he says, yet knowing that a man is not justified by works of law, but through faith into Jesus Christ, we have believed that we may be justified by faith 
from Christ. That's in the genitive. That's an interesting from the, from the Greek. Our faith comes from Christ. It's a gift justified by faith from Christ and not by works of the law because no flesh will be justified by works of the law. Paul is in Peter's face. He says, Peter, we're Jews by birth. All of our forefathers as Jews, we've been there and done that and still we need Christ because the works of the law, no kind of behavior, we failed in it. We failed miserably. It turned us into racial bigots. It gave us some sort of spiritual superiority attitude that turned us into monsters. And we had no personal relationship with God, believing only that we could only achieve a behavioral relationship with God, a works-related relationship with God, that we had to do what had to be done in order to achieve a presence of God. It was all up to us and it has failed us. We are miserable sinners. Proven to be so by the only begotten Son of God who came from the Father to teach us the truth. So that's what he says. He says, we've been there, done that, and still we failed. And still we had to have faith in Christ through faith into Jesus Christ, we have believed that we might be justified. Now we're introduced to a new word here, justified. A man is not justified by works of the law, but justified by faith from Christ, not by works of the law. It's three times in this passage. Because no flesh will be justified by works of the law. Hopefully we all understand the doctrine of justification. It is, a, it is an act of God that makes us righteous in his sight. He declares that we are righteous. We can never achieve righteousness on our own. A divine miracle has to happen. It involves faith in Jesus Christ. So, we're not justified by works of the law. There is nothing that we can do. We can never, ever behave in accord with the law. Now, we can hypocritically say that we do, but God knows that we don't. He knows our hearts. We have secret sins. We have thoughts that condemn us, that, that transgress uh, the law. We can never be justified like that. Only by faith from Christ are we justified because no flesh will be justified by works of the law. On every point, Peter had to agree. I can see it in my mind's eye with every point coming from the apostle Paul in the face of Peter. Peter's eyes would drop more and more to the ground. His shoulders would slump more and more, agreeing that the Apostle Paul was right, that even the Jews who grew up in the system and had it pounded into their, the essence of their existence still were unable to obey the law 
And even they needed to be justified by Jesus Christ. But if seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild these things I had torn down, I prove myself a transgressor. Here's what he says. Peter, we came to Christ. Christ died for us. The Judaizers have come in and have said, no, if that's all you have, you are a sinner. That's the very reason Christ came to die, was to set us free. If the Judaizers are right, then Christ's death and Christ himself have become a minister of sin. So Christ's death, having worked through the behaviors of the law, then coming to Christ and coming to Christ in Judaizer theology, in coming to Christ has made us sinners, then Christ died to make us sinners. May it never be. For if I rebuild these things I had torn down, I prove myself a transgressor. Why would I want to go back? I have preached grace. I have preached that the law cannot save. This is the gospel that Jesus Christ himself gave to me and taught me, filled my heart with, and sent me out into the Gentile world, justified by grace through faith in Christ plus nothing, no works. I went in and tore all that down so that people would understand the only way to be saved is to come to Christ by faith. Now you're telling me that that which I have torn down, I'm going to have to build it all over again. And that makes me a transgressor. For three, and here's the crowning point, beginning in verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law that I might live to God. I could have never understood how far away from God I was if not for the law. The law is perfect and I'm not perfect. The law will always be perfect and I will never be perfect until God perfects me in Christ. So he continues, I have been crucified with Christ. When I came to Christ by faith, I realized that Christ took me to the cross with him. This, this man that I was seeking, seeking a relationship 
through my behavior. That only brings me condemnation. That can never bring me salvation. I can never be made righteous by the works of the law. There is nothing good in my flesh that I can do. But when I came by the divine miracle of God's call and rebirth, you know, there was a, there was a, a Pharisee, an elitist. He was the top, he was the top dog among Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus, Gospel of John. He was revered and well respected. And even that guy, even that guy, one of the top Pharisees came to Christ and asked this question, how can I get into the kingdom? Even he knew that this behavioral relationship was not enough. Christ said, it's going to have to come to you from above. You have to be born again. This is not something that comes from you. It comes from God. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. All that I was, all that I counted on, all that I stood for, everything that I thought was important to me, I counted it as dung, waste, manure. I have been crucified with Christ. The old man is dead. He was put away on the cross. Christ took all of the bad that I am to himself and nailed it to the cross. I have been crucified with Christ. Then I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. So that which I now live in the flesh, I live through faith from the Son of God. I died with him. The old man is dead. All of my sin was buried and put away. And I have been raised with him. And he lives in me. I no longer seek a relationship through behavior but I seek a relationship and I live through a relationship with Christ, the Son of God. I have trusted him. I have cast everything upon him and he lives in me. I'm no longer seeking to obey these rituals. Paul says the law died in me. That thing is dead to me. The ceremonies have died the works, salvation, that died in me. All of that died. The old man, that person who thinks he has to be directing his behavior in such a way that he impresses God and God has to save him by his own works, that old thing of me died. And I have cast myself completely upon Christ and that old depraved man seeking to impress God through obedience to rules isn't alive anymore.
Christ lives in me. I live now through that faith from the Son of God, the one having loved me and having given up himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness is through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Boy, that's strong. That's powerful. Here is the crux of Christian testimony. For I no longer live. I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Through it, I, I have been crucified, present activist. In, in the Greek text, it is such that I have been, am being, I am crucified. I have been, am being crucified with Christ. This is my life. Every day, I know that my only hope is in Christ. I don't know what the day may bring. I don't know what kind of thought may rise through my mind. I don't, I'm going to try to be obedient to Christ. And as I mature in the faith, I will grow in Christ. Please, God, help me to maintain a path of discipleship that I can mature in the faith and learn more through your word about who you are and who Christ is in me, what he's done for me, and I'll grow in that. And this is all there is to me. No longer am I seeking to pursue behavior that seeks to impress men and believes that it establishes some sort of impression with God. I died to that. I've come to realize that it's only Christ. Only Christ and he lives in me. Every day it's Christ in me. And I'm obedient to that. I am obedient to the grace that justified me through faith in Christ alone plus nothing. I'm not no flesh shall be justified by the works of the law, but only by faith in Jesus Christ can I be saved. That's the pure gospel. That's the simple gospel. We can carry that everywhere. You don't have to preach to a group of people who have some sort of deep theological persuasion. All they have to have is a persuasion of guiltiness before God. That's conviction. Only God can bring that on a person. That's part of the effectual call of God. All you have to do is preach knowing that somebody out there is going to recognize his sinful condition and have faith in Christ. And he starts growing from there. 
But it starts with faith in Christ. That's how people are saved. A simple, obedient faith into Jesus Christ. Let's pray. We'll be dismissed. Father God, Lord, thank you for grace. Thank you that by your calling us to yourself, we've come to realize that there's no good thing within ourselves, that we must come to Christ, that only Christ can save us, only Christ can keep us saved and carry us to heaven some glorious day. Father, thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that is so simple, clear, and pure, such that we can preach it even to children. And thank you for your spirit who causes us to recognize our sinful condition and draws us to Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.